I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hello, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we watch Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, I'm here, Matt Rossi. I'm the host. I hope you like me. I'm, I'm very eager to be liked by you. Also with me this week are two fantastic co-hosts who are also eager to be liked by you, or maybe not. I can't really speak for them. But uh, first up, she is really not happy with boring cupcakes and Stickney. Oh, why did you introduce me first? Ow. <laughs> no, no, you don't understand. Okay, so like... I've been drinking iced coffee pretty much all summer, like cold coffee, but we've gotten to the point where there is snow outside, so I switched back to hot coffee, and then I forgot temporarily that I switched back to the hot coffee, so I just went to take a swig of my thermos and, like, scorched the inside of my I, I had no way of knowing this. I, no, it's okay. Defense. At least you didn't get me going, mm, because that's what my first reaction was. Uh, while Ian recovers from that, um, I'll introduce the other host of the show. Um, Alex, he gets food sent to him in the mail Z-Bart. Uh, Alex? Uh, I do. You make that sound kind of illicit, but it's, no, it's not. No, I didn't mean it to be. I used to get food sent to me in the mail. It's just something that happens. If you get a care package from home, that's food from the mail. Yeah, I mean, it's, a t- it's entirely expected. It's not a surprising thing. No, no I it wasn't. Just, I just have to clarify that. I don't, I don't know why this seemed illicit. Like, he gets food in the mail. Weird. Uh, oh God! This show. We're no, ten seconds in. Anne's burning herself. You're a crime lord. Uh, it, it's good. A food it's crime delicious. lord. Food crime. Food crime. Um, no, it's it's good stuff, and I do get it in the mail. Thank you for introducing me that way. I guess you're welcome. Oh God! All I know is they they were. If you, you didn't hear, this is the completely at this point we're off the rails. So we're just going to move on to top stories. I think. Um, first up. <laughs> East Streets of Gadgets Inn is coming out December 1st. That's the Hearthstone expansion. That would be the day after tomorrow, or if you're listening to this when we release it on the website, today. <laughs> yes. So that's going to happen. Uh, what do you guys think about that? I'm I, going to be honest with you. I saw the preview on BlizzCon. That was the first time I'd heard of it. And well, I, that, was, that was the announcement. Nobody had heard of it at that point. So. And, it's, and it's out within a month. Yeah. Uh, so that's... that's- that's Hearthstone. Yeah. Um, they don't really announce anything until they're ready to release it. And they don't do any like extended PTRs or any PTRs at all. So They just kind of so flip it all out there, do like a couple weeks of hype where they list all the cards so people get excited to play it. They do a pre-order period, and then, boom, you get to play. Uh, it's like when they announce it, it's already ready to go. They're just announcing it to kick off their little marketing stint, and then you have it. So the marketing for about a month, and then you can play. Seems about right for Hearthstone. Which, I mean, I don't know. I think it looks pretty cool. I haven't played Hearthstone in a very long time, though. Um, mostly because I play it 
it's it's like Diablo. I have to be in a particular mindset to play it, and I haven't been in that particular mindset for a while. It's probably good in the case of Diablo, because I play Diablo when I feel like smashing some heads in. So, you know, it's probably okay that I haven't yeah. played Diablo in a while. I... <laughs> played Hearthstone casually for probably a couple years. Yeah, see that's the thing is I like playing it casually. And but then it became more and more obvious that playing it casually isn't really that much of an option. Like you can still get in and play like nothing's stopping you from playing casually, but it's really hard to keep up. Uh either you have to play super hardcore or you have to spend a ton of money. That's just how it is. And yeah. I was I wasn't willing to either play it that much or spend that much money, so I just kind of stopped. I, like I said, I'll go in and I'll play it every now and again because I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like playing some Hearthstone. It's a fun game. Like, don't get me wrong. It's a really fun game. It's just not my game of choice when I'm looking for games to play, usually. See, I enjoyed Hearthstone, but I quickly realized what my role in Hearthstone's ecology was. What? I was the guy that you beat. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> that was who I was. If you were fighting me, you got to win and feel really good about yourself for a while. I didn't get that. So I, after, like, about like a few months of playing it, I was like, yeah, I am, I am See, not. See, I didn't, I, I didn't really care about losing or anything, because I, I like watching the game. Like, I like the gameplay itself. It wasn't that I cared about losing. It's that I cared about absolutely never winning. Okay, so... Someone in the chat channel just said, is there any perk for pre-ordering it? I believe it's 50 packs for 50 bucks. Yeah. I think so. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So dollar a pack, which really like, is I, I know I should pay attention just because it's my job to pay attention. But yeah. when I don't play a game at all, I find it really hard to keep up. Like, I just... Like Look, the other I keep games, my fingers on the pulse of the Blizzard Yeah, like thing. other Blizzard games, like I play them. <laughs> like Maybe even like Super K, like Overwatch, I don't play it a lot, but I'll still like get on and play a little bit once in a while. Like I'll play a match like every couple weeks, and that's fine to like keep me in it. And then I'll follow the Overwatch news. But Hearthstone, I don't play it at all anymore. I don't. <laughs> I think none. the only the only games that I don't play from Blizzard right now, um, StarCraft, because why? Um, RTS games, not my forte, and there's not really enough of a story. I mean, once you go through, play through it once, see the story, then that's when my interest in that game ends, because yeah. I'm just, I'm not interested in the RTS elements. Um, Heroes of the Storm, not really interested in that one, I because Heroes. I know I'm terrible at it, and I don't feel like going on there and being terrible with play other versus, people. <laughs> if you play versus, like, if you just want to have a little fun with it, and I don't know if you do, maybe you just have no interest, but... There's, I don't think there's anything wrong with just playing versus AI, and it's pr it's it's easy, it's low. Maybe you know, I risk. could like teach myself how to play better by doing that. I don't know, because I mean it is kind of fun. It's just I know when I'm really bad. This is why I don't like do any sort of um, competitive PvP in World of Warcraft because I'm right. real bad at it, and I know I'm real bad at it. So I'll just I'll just stick to where my strengths yeah, are at. Like and how. Good. Like, how you guys and people in general, like, when I want to smash stuff, I play Diablo 3. Like, I'm kind of like that. Like, when I just want to kill stuff, I play heroes versus AI. Because it's not a big deal. It's not that stressful. You just fight stuff. Yeah. See, I like I like it in Diablo just because everything in Diablo kind of explodes when you click on it. And that's just really satisfying. It's There's too much explosion, Diablo. Running, running over bugs and things. All of it. It's all really satisfying. Diablo goes over my explosion threshold. At some point, explosion <laughs> is kind of static. They don't make any sense anymore. I can't believe you have I'm, an explosion threshold. <laughs> I'm, what I'm learning from this conversation is that in this group, I am the Michael Bay and that there can't be enough explosions. Yeah, like I, will, see? I will forever like be okay with this. No, when um, there are fireworks, 
I will go watch them. Whether like you know, at BlizzCon, I want to see the fireworks from Disney. I go watch them. Fourth of July, I want to watch every year. Every year. If, if there were fireworks every day, all day, I would be like, I don't care anymore. And that's kind of Diablo three with explosions. It's like there are so many explosions, they have become meaningless. Nah, see, because I'm doing them. See, you're talking about watching them. I'm talking about. Did someone just get clubbed? No, I just dropped something on my desk. Thank Sorry. God. <laughs> I was afraid some sort of attack had happened. Anyway, <laughs> in, when you're talking about like games like Diablo or other stuff, I, I find that I'm a lot more invested when I'm the one making them happen. Like, and this is not a Blizzard game, so I'm not going to go into detail on anything like that. But I've been one of the catharsis I've got going is playing Mass Effect right now, and it, watching someone play Mass Effect bores me. Like, I can't watch it. It's just like, okay, whatever. But when I'm doing it, I'm much more invested. I, I, I like it more. I like I can even do multiplayer in it. And, I, and that's why I'm with Diablo. Um, I can play Diablo forever. I couldn't watch someone do it. That it would be boring for me. But doing it myself, because I decide what explodes. Or if it's me and my wife playing together, then it's even more fun because, well, she's crazy. She will run over and just destroy everything constantly. And I, I have to try and keep up and not not die. So there's there's stuff going on. I have to do more thought. So for me, that I, I never ha- would have a threshold there. But watching that, yeah, okay, because I'm not I'm not invested. I'm not doing anything. I'm just watching. So there's there's a difference for me. I guess it just feels like a, yeah, I'm the one making the explosions, but it has as much impact if I was on like an explosion assembly line as my job. Eventually, I would get really sick of that job. Uh, maybe uh, for me it's not. But okay, uh, okay. Also, um, 7.1.5 PTR dropped a new build. I think it was yesterday. I'm trying to remember. Uh, did it, did it actually happen? Because last night they said they were deploying one, but it got delayed, so it never might, happened. Yeah, it might have got delayed. You're right. I, they, I saw them say they were going to drop it, and then I went to sleep. So They were going to drop it, and then they didn't drop it because, I guess, in the middle of dropping it, they realized that they had more stuff to do for it. So they reverted back to the earlier build, and then today they were supposed to drop it. But I don't know if they've actually dropped it today or not. This is the thrill of us recording this thing, and then it goes up a day or so later. We don't know. By the time you listen to it, they may have dropped it, but maybe they have. I don't think that they have as of yet. Like, as of the time that we're speaking right now, I still don't – I don't think it hasn't – I don't think it's gone live just yet. It will, though. Honest. It'll deploy later today. I'm going to be completely honest. I feel like I'm trying to rush them to get this out the door because I want them to start working on the 7.2 PTR because that's <laughs> the one I'm interested in. This one I'm no, not so- – I'm okay. I'm okay with them – like taking their time. I mean, seven point. I'm imagining because this is only like the second rollout, the second build, right? Yeah. They yeah. This the is only the second was... build on the PTR. I don't think we're gonna see seven point one point five like on servers until after the holidays. Oh, I don't expect it. Here's the thing though. Like the first rollout, seven point one point five was the most I've ever looked at a patch and said this is not done. No, not, it was not, not, not done yet. Not just not just in the sense of it not being ready to go live. I meant that there are changes in there that are obviously not fully. I you know like I was looking at classes and going, okay, they've changed this, this, and this, but they left this there. There's no way this is going to stay this way if this has been changed. They're going to either change it back or they're going to change this because there's just they don't work like this. I was and that's not this is a PTR. I'm not expecting it to be perfect, but it's really interesting to see how these little like they're trying this mini patch thing. Where they put out like a point one, you know, a point five patch at the, you know, in between patches, and I'm interested to see how they do it. I, I want to see how this process rolls forward because I think it was you who was talking about it felt more like old WoW to you. Yeah, like vanilla. 
And the thing or got classic, me I guess we want to call it classic and not vanilla. But I don't know. classic sounds like it's WoW classic, and it's like yeah, it's all the great taste you remember from original WoW, but with half the calories. Yeah. So, I, I like vanilla. I don't know why I always have, but but vanilla way, had like there were a million patches. Okay, there weren't a million, but there was a it, lot of patches. That's a strange number of like Coke connotations with WoW. I know, saying. right? Because vanilla Coke is also a delicious, delicious thing. Yes, that's true, it is. Although I, I liked black cherry vanilla the most. No, I like vanilla. I yeah, like it when you put rum and vanilla Coke. That's pretty good. Coke Zero anyway, surprisingly so. good, y'all. <laughs> Coke Zero. <laughs> Haven't had it. But uh, moving on, though, yeah, vanilla WoW. It had a ton of patches in between major patches, and they all had, like, little things that affected the game, but they weren't, like, big major overhauls or anything like that. I almost feel like this is a little bit bigger than those patches that, you, that you'd see in uh, Vanilla, because I remember Vanilla, there was a patch where they introduced weather, like, weather effects, and and there wasn't much else in there other than the weather effects, but people were real excited about the weather effects. We're getting, like, more stuff with 1.5. 7.1.5. Yeah, there's more we're getting the mini, We're getting the mini holidays. There's also um, Mists of Pandaria's being added to the time walking rotation. Isn't that the 7.1.5 thing? I believe so. I, I thought so. Uh, I mean, if it turns out not to be, we'll, we'll know when the, we get the full patch. But Yeah, but I think that's one of those things that's also being added. So there's like a bunch of little things that are going in here that are... Are we also getting Brawler's Guild with this one? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of little stuff in here that's like, it's it's... It's little stuff, and then when you kind of pile it all together, it's a lot more substantial than you'd think. It's more substantial than a selfie camera. And really, isn't that all we could ask for? I think so. (laughs) I didn't hate the selfie patch. I, I just didn't hate the like, selfie patch either. I, I just, just felt that the selfie patch as the only patch between the two content patches was not a lot there. Yeah, that's that was a, like that was yeah, very that much was, a vanilla. That was patch. the real problem. Like if there was more in Warlord six point, that would not have been a problem. No. Like a patch that just here's a selfie cam and we add a bunch of more stuff to garrisons. Like great, except you didn't do anything else at all really yeah. with the expansion. So then it sucked. Then it was. Underwhelming, I think, is is the term I would. It was underwhelming. I think um, sucked. I feel far. Term uh, I feel far more whelmed with with seven point one point five. There's there's more going on with it, so I'm really kind of excited about that. Okay. Um, I don't know why I decided the cataclysm time walking needed to be a news item. I, I don't think it really does. So, uh, yeah, that happened. Time walking this weekend. Yeah, it's oh, is it's that what's going? Weekend. Cool. So all of those little time walking things that you got if you were visiting the lore walkers like every day and answering their quiz questions, you can go turn those in for valuable prizes now. I totally didn't because I could not be bothered to go to Stormwind every day. Oh, see, I did because it was like, here, Anne, (laughs) have some free matches. (laughs) Whoever made that made that for me. The only one, the only question I ran across that I had a problem with was which eye and which arm did Zoljin lose? And it's because I have a really difficult problem with differentiating between left and right. Yeah, it's a little terrible. <laughs> and like, I'm not terrible, terrifying the road trip. I'm like, go left. And you're like, I don't know which way that is. And then we just drive off into God knows where. Look, I know my left and from my right. It's just my brain takes a minute to like, for that to kick in. Like, I know which shoe goes on which foot. And I know, you know, it's, I have to look at my hands. I have to, when somebody deliberately says, hey, you should turn left here, I have to, you'll see, I will glance at my hands real quick. And what I'm looking at is 
which hand is it forms an L that makes the L because that's yeah. my left hand and that's that's left that direction that's my, is left that's how my grandmother taught me left from right when I was a kid right so. not right left but you know what I mean yes <laughs> right that's the other problem is that we use the word right to also mean correct anyway um so yeah I I, I got you know I got a whole mess of badges from that but I had nothing to do with them really because the vendors don't show up unless time walking is in effect. So I'm happy that Cataclysm time walking is coming up. Am I going to do any dungeons? Probably not. But I'm going to go cash in my tickets. I pro- Yeah, I probably won't because just I would live in fear of getting stone core with people who just want to rush it. Stone core is awful. I don't mind it, but everybody wants to just burn through it and they don't pay attention and they all die. Well, I mean, I can it- think of you could run time walking with this week that wouldn't do that to you hey yeah maybe we could do that like on the stream or we can get liz 110 well i know but i'm talking about like after that happens i don't know how close liz is or how close mitch is she's at 108 mitch hit 110 last week okay you left before he did it he he decided we ran the stream a little longer than usual and he went and hit 110 we waited for him to hit 110 and then And then we finish the stream. And so we're just, Liz is the only one left, but she's at 108. And I'm not sure how far she is through 108, but it really won't take that long to get her to 110. So this is not the plan our live stream podcast. I know it's not. <laughs> All right. But well, Cataclysm time walking, I'm saying maybe we should do that. <laughs> now that we know we're getting missed time walking uh, fairly soon ish, I, I might actually start doing older doing more time walking stuff just to see all of it because that would be one of the, i honestly wish this is my biggest problem with time walking is that they make it something that just happens every so often uh and maybe we'd get sick of it fast if it was like always available to us but i really feel like they should make it something where you could do like you, you can't really go and actually experience the various dungeons and see how the game has changed over the years like at, at you can do it by going back and doing them but then you're like, you know, hi, I'm level 110 and I'm going to go do like, a, you know, an original dungeon. Yeah, this this is not really. I'm going to go do the stockades. Yeah, that's kind of funny. You I mean, walk in and the place just like detonates. Cool, not... guys, cool guys don't look at explosions. What are you doing here? <laughs> but yeah, it's, so that's that is one of the things I would like to actually experience once or twice. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right, anyway, then. I think we're pretty, basically we're going to just do emails now, you think? Sure, uh, but first, I got my new Degusta box this month, and it's actually full of delicious things. This is genuine. Uh, I love Degusta box. It, this month it came with a lot of like, Italian cookies and some Chips Ahoy Thins and popcorn and, like, and grape ancient, and honey ancient jelly. Grains. <laughs> ancient grains. Ancient grains? Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that so much, but in popcorn and, like, honey sticks and stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds good, you should sign up for Degusta Box at blizzardwatch.com slash Degusta Box. Uh, it's a subscription service where, you, like, every month you get, you know, 10 items or so sent to you in a box. It's a blind box. You never know what you're going to get. But it has introduced me to a lot of things I would not have otherwise tried. So I recommend it, and I genuinely enjoy it. Would you say it's, like, Loot Crate for food? Yes, it's Loot Crate for it's food. It's exactly that. The Loot Crate exactly. tends to have themes, and Degusta Box really doesn't. It's just like an assembly of stuff, and usually it's pretty good stuff. I'm also going to say that when you said Ancient Grains, I had the, that booming voice of Chris Metz in my head going, Forgotten Bastions of Ancient Grains! Yeah, I don't really um, get the Ancient Grains thing. It sounds like something I wouldn't want to eat. Like, I've seen Ancient Grain Cheerios, and it's like, 
How old are they? It's not that they're not they're, they're not any older than other grains. You it's, open the box, right. the cloud it's of a, dust just it's rolls a, out. It's of a it. paleo type thing. It basically means grains that are the kind of grains we had in ancient times. Well, yeah, I get the, the meaning. Time, it just sounds terrible. Fallen yeah. in the chat channel says time walking grains. I've <laughs> <laughs> updated the mechanics on these grains. Way to tie it in the prior content there, Colin. Good job. Okay. All right. Well, before we get started, as usual, if you have an email, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. You guys were really awesome about letting me know what podcast you wanted the email for this week. So thank you very much. And you you tried your best to keep it short. So thank you on that, too. I mean, you didn't always do great, but, you know, you tried. And I do appreciate it. I wanted to say that. And I know Anne appreciates it because she has to read these things. So when you yes. try and keep it short, that's great for everybody involved. Uh, as we always do, Anne's going to read them to you now. So, Okay, first email is from Drew, who says, Greetings, watchers. We are now three months and one patch in a legion with a lot yet to come, but many world quest and dungeon runs under our belts. Time for a quote-unquote mid-mortem smiley face. What have been some of the design highlights for you, either new or carried over from previous iterations of the game? You know what? I think we should just address these one at a time because there's a bunch of questions in here. So, um, design highlights from Legion so far that you guys enjoyed. World Quests have given me a lot to do. and At this point, I'm repeating a lot of them quite frequently, but I haven't really minded. I like solo activities. I don't mind if they're really repetitive, if I can do them alone. Uh, it's when I have to do repetitive things in groups that it starts to wear on me. Maybe that's just my personality, but I've really loved World Quests. I'm going to say, I mean, not to mirror you, but one of the things I, th- I noticed is that World Quests managed to do something that I never got from like daily quest hubs or even the daily objective in, in Warlords. I hated the daily objective in Warlords. I hated go to this place and run amok until you filled a bar. I disliked it intensely. World Quests have a few things like that. But they have enough that aren't like that, that I never feel like I'm stuck doing that forever and ever. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's the, the design in general. One of the things I think Legion's done really well is take stuff that they've done before and do it in a way where I'm not like the, the stuff that annoyed me about it isn't there. So that's I, I'd say that is the thing I will say. That Would like. you say that world quests are an improvement from daily quests and how so? Uh, yeah, definitely, because I don't they're not always the same. Like, it's not, okay, go to the Isle of Quel'Danas and do the same six things again, which I do every day on the Isle of Quel'Danas until my rep is high enough. Is it just the variety that's appealing to you, or...? I don't... Honestly, this is the thing. I've been thinking about it for a long time, trying to figure out exactly what it is. Part of it's the variety, yeah. Part of it's the fact that, you know, every day I can change, like, focus on what zones I want to do based on what my emissary quests are. Mm -hmm. I can let them go a couple of days, and the emissary quests will build up, so I'll have three... When I come in and I can just do all three emissary quests and like, that's it. I don't have to log in and do this again for two days if I don't want to. Okay. Like there's, there's variety to how I do it, to where I do it and what I do when I get there. Because when you get to a zone, I mean, you don't have to do all the quests in that zone. No, you just don't. Do, you can just do enough to do your emissary and you're done. Or you can sit down and plow through 20 world quests if you feel it. Alex, what do you think? Do you think it's an improvement on daily quests and um, why or why not? The only part of daily quests I miss is uh, daily quest hubs usually had at least a little bit of story advancement. Uh, you know, there's not all of them. And when there was story advancement, there wasn't very much. So I don't think it's a big loss. Uh, these new ones are just like you show up, uh, you catch some squirrels and there's not like in a, the story of the squirrels doesn't change. It's always going to be the same squirrels and the same nuts. But Daily Quest didn't really change that much either. Like, once in a while, you got a little more background. And that little bit of background, uh, it's sadly missed. 
But okay. otherwise, I really like the freedom. I really like you know the the variety. I, World Quest is just better. Okay, so um, as far as design highlights, as far as I'm concerned, um, Suramar, like the entirety of it, the whole city. Oh yeah. The whole city. Si- I I want every capital city in the future to be done just like Suramar. Wouldn't it be great if we had capital cities like that, that were expansive like that? And while we were wandering around just doing our stuff, like checking the auction house or whatever, occasionally quests would just pop up or things to do would just sort of pop up. Actually, here's what I want. I want to be in Stormwind doing my own thing. Suddenly a Stormwind guard goes, an illusion, what are you hiding? And explodes and some guy (laughs) turns into an orc adventurer. He's like, oh, oops, and starts running. Yeah, yeah. No. that's what I want. All my, my, you know, you're, you'll be there in Silver Moon at the auction house. An illusion. What do you? Oh, please shut up. <sighs> no, I, 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 I may, I may not like the that mechanic. I, I just, I like the scope of the city. I like how big it is. I like how it is just crawling with NPCs, and they all appear to be doing their own thing. You know, it, it just, it feels, for whatever reason, it feels like a far more genuine city than any capital city so far in World of Warcraft. Even Stormwind, which is yeah. weird because Stormwind easily felt the most populated, like the most, oh, there's life here. But I definitely agree with that. Uh, Stormwind, just, it feels alive, and they did a lot of development trickery to make it feel alive, like the really low-res citizen models, but I don't notice them that much. No, you don't really care so much. Because um, it's just the kind of background noise. But the fact that that background noise is there and present, it just, it makes it. I don't know. I I think in Suramar's existence, um, it's kind of winding down now. But when I first hit 100, Suramar made the lack of narrative in World Quests not be such a problem. Because, like, yeah, World Quests are just like my mindless grind stuff out. And if I want a max level story, Suramar also offers that. That's the other reason why Suramar appeals to me so much. It feels like an entire city's worth of um, the dominant defensive chain <laughs> where you're playing through it and you keep getting story elements that are revealed over time. We have like a whole zone of that. And I really mm. appreciate that because I, I loved that particular set of daily quests from the dominant. It, it's Operation Shield Wall and the Dominance Offensive. Was that 5.1? That was 5.1. Anyway, yeah. that whole thing where you did the dailies and when you did enough you got like a little chunk of story that that same thing is carrying out in Suramar but it's a whole zone and it plays at endgame and I really appreciate that that's in there and that the story has continued Um, I haven't reached the continuation point yet because between BlizzCon and everything else I just haven't had a chance to finish my Suramar reputation I gotta get that done maybe I'll do that this week I don't know We'll figure it out. Okay, so uh, second question Drew had here. He said, what are some design areas you found less compelling or disappointing? Well, I'm not as into Suramar as these two are. Not because it's bad, but because there's a lot of stuff in Suramar that serves as kind of narrative roadblocks or, like, annoyances to me. Like, for instance, the what-are-you-hiding illusion, guys. The layout of Suramar, while it is, everything they've said about it is true, it can also be extremely irritating to try to get through. Um, I, I, there's certain world quests where I have the devil's own time finding them, getting to where they are. It's, it's just, you know, irritating to me to have to like watch a video on YouTube to figure out, oh, okay, I have to find this one staircase, get up it, then go this way, then this way through six patrols who are all going to try to unmask me. 
Then I have to go around the, oh, no, on a roof, and then I have to use a grappling hook. And okay, now I can finally try and kill this elite. Oh, wait, the elite is too powerful for me to kill by myself. So I need to wait for other people to get here. But since it's practically inavigable, no one comes up here. So no one's going to do this world quest, so I have to leave. I don't like that. I think Suramar gets a little too precious at times. Uh, does, again, doesn't mean I don't like it, but that is a problem I have with it. And I have a real problem that some of the other zones feel empty when you go to do world quests in them. And I, I really, I think I'm talking about Stormheim here. There's one or two places in Stormheim where a lot of stuff is happening. And then there's a lot of stuff in Stormheim that's just kind of off, like the Vampire's quest, uh, the world quest when you go to the Vampire's thing. It's based on an actual quest in the zone. And it's kind of off in the middle of nowhere and doesn't have any real connection to anything. And I don't like that. Uh, Stormheim in general, I like Stormheim, but I feel like it's got two real big quest lines going on in it. And then everything else is just sort of there. I feel like that entire area of Stormheim, like up north with the Storm Drakes, is just kind of a mess. It's very hard to get around. It's hard to get around, and I don't feel like anything compelling is really even happening up there. So it's like, when I have, if I have options of world quests, if there are things around Valdistal, or even like the Vampirates or the Murlocs, I will do those before I go up to that Storm Drakey area, just because that place, it, it just doesn't feel interesting up there. It's just kind of sloppy. I have the same problem, but it's with High Mountain. And I don't, I think High Mountain is my least favorite zone, like to level through and also to do world quests in and things like that, which is kind of sad to me because it was like right up there on my favorites. And then they ripped Rathion right out of there. So suddenly all of the stuff that was really appealing to me was no longer there. Like the ties that tied it into what was going on with the rest of Azeroth kind of got ripped right out of there. So it, it's like this little bubble of Torin land and Torin land just wasn't that interesting to me. I don't know. Yeah. I think our preferences in, in zones is funny because uh, I quite like high mountain. I have no particular affinity for Torin, but I like the layout and I like how like it's pretty easy to get to uh, things. I don't like mountain. the layout. I don't, I don't like how like, like you just, Everything is easily accessible as long as you have the flight paths. Like, oh, this quest is up here, but there's a flight path right by it. Or there's a flight path by this one. Or there's a flight path on the other side of the mountain. I don't need to traverse it. I just jump on the flight path. Like, that's all super easy to me. I hate Azuna. I hate Azuna. I hate navigating it. I don't mind Azuna so much. I find Azuna to be extremely easy to get around, whereas I find High Mountain to be incredibly difficult to get around. Are in annoying places. Like Yeah, but Azuna is kind of like a flat circle, so you can, you know, just kind of ride around it. No yeah, big deal. Yeah, like half to ride around it. Or like the flight, they put in a flight path at Illidari Stand, but you never need to go to Illidari Stand. You need to go to something that's over a hill. So you have to fly and then like run up a mountain and then no. cross a lake. And then you're if at you, the emissary. If you go to, if, if you go into the emissary, you always go south from the, the, the dragons. You never go north. That's from a Illidari longer Stand. ride than Illidari it's Stand. It's a straight shot. No, I just... Illidari Stand is a short, straight shot. You just have to run up a hill and cross a lake. Yeah, you just hop over the hill, that's all. And it's right on the other side of that hill. That's the way I always go. The flight path should be at the emissary. It should be at the emissary, yes. It it doesn't really quite make sense that it's not there, except that for the leveling experience, for the purposes of the leveling experience, yeah, you want a flight path at Illidari Stand because you're doing quests out there and everything. It's just, you never go back there. 
once you're done with that initial run of quests, you never go well, back there. So I, I go down there. I go back there for world quests because I go in and do the world quests that are over there in the demon areas when they're open. But that's well, there's just... a flight path in the demon area. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's well, the one well, I, I take. Well, you had to get that though. I didn't have that at first, so I had to go up and get it. I, I don't know. It, it just for me, Azuna is real easy to get around. Uh, High Mountain is very difficult, especially if they put when they put quests up. There's always like two or three places they like to put quests. Like there's that kind of it's on the uh, north and west coast of it where there's, there's like a, there's the only flight point near it is again it's an Illidari one and then it's like full of elites the the elite Toran guys who you know once you're geared up it's not that hard to fight them but there's just everywhere really close together and they're really annoying and that's really hard to get to then there's the one with the murloc guy uh, it's like I'm sorry King Murgle Murgle area I'm no just stop putting him <laughs> in things yeah <laughs> I have feelings about Murlocs in general, and wow. I don't mind Murlocs so much as I mind that guy. It's like, because whenever it's him, it's going to be him and his Murloc pet, and, you know, quests that involve me suddenly becoming a Murloc and using, like, bubbles on people. It's like, I know, well, have these ever been compelling? Well, yeah, that's like a joke quest from Heroes of the Storm. You're playing Murk like Heroes. Yeah, yeah, I don't like it. I'm doing I, I miss when, Mur- when Murlocs were, like, terrifying unholy terrors and now they're just kind of like the gag mob like dude they were not gag mobs in vanilla they wrecked you they were terrifying you did not want to when you were fighting those guys in that on that riverside and uh elwyn those things were like kill it kill it it's running to its friends kill yeah, it it's like you looked at those things and you didn't think very much of them but you got in a fight and you were like oh no and now they're the joke mob which is unfortunate they so, i think the about- first time i ran into murlocs was like in darkshore when trying to do deep ocean vast sea and that did not go well like literally the reason that i <laughs> as a baby warrior the reason i learned how to use hamstring and i think it was mid-20s was because you hamstrung those murlocs constantly that was like every other attack was hamstring because you did not want those guys running i think so i'm gonna say that there there are th- that answers your question about stuff we didn't like okay so uh next question three months in do you think the inclusion of mythic dungeon requirements for profession quests was unfair or bad Yes. Yeah. I haven't done my profession quests because they require mythic dungeons. So I guess that kind of answers that question. Do I think that they're unfair or bad? Not necessarily. Am I going to do them? No. Yeah, it's like <laughs> so maybe that defeated the purpose. Do of a bunch of really difficult there. stuff and stuff you probably don't want to do to get recipes for gear that's not as good and won't be as good as what I have from world quests. Nah. I'd rather do I'm gonna go say straight up. Go do LFR. I'm just going to say this. Um, Mythic dungeons in general have been a mixed bag. I think some of the stuff they've done for Mythics has been really cool. I like that they make Mythics so that you can basically get your group of friends together and keep progressing and keep doing harder and harder Mythic dungeons. That's great. But putting stuff behind it where you have to do them to get quests done, to get appearances unlocked, to get your professions, no. Terrible idea. Straight up shouldn't be the case. Mythics plus Mythics and Mythic Plus should just be for you and your friends to progress in. I think and that's it. I think and I've I've said this before, but I think it's worth reiterating. I think that it's kind of funny in an ironic sort of way that Blizzard introduced the group finder in Wrath so that we didn't have to put groups together and kind of trained us out of that out of that mindset of, "Oh, I should ask this guy over here if he'd like to come tank a dungeon." They like kind of trained us out of that by giving us this interface that just sort of blindly put us together so that now, at the point where they're like, oh, no, you should go make groups again, people are really reticent to do that. Just because we've been so well-trained not to do that, 
you know, it, I'm, it's, re- I'm reticent to do it because not because I was trained not to do it, but because you know, when I had to do it, it was hell. I yeah. hated it and yeah. I don't want to do it. So I won't. And um, we're we've we've spent a lot of time on this question and the podcast is quickly winding down. So we should get through the rest of these of this email quickly. But uh, the point where I gave up on my profession is when I saw to finish a recipe, I had to do, I think it's a rated battleground or a rated arena. I was like, no, not for a recipe. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I just stopped. In general, they, the profession's stuff has been a mixed bag, this expansion. I, I, again, I think I don't think mythics are bad. I just don't think you should have to go do one to, to learn the third tier of a recipe you already have. Yeah. That's um, real annoying. The last thing that Drew asked was, what would you have Blizzard change to improve the game? And I think we can all pretty much agree that, hey, you know, keeping the profession quests as, like, their own thing and not a requirement of other stuff is probably one of those things, Yes. Uh, make the Dalaran loading screen not as long as it is. <laughs> That'd be That'd great. Be That'd be good too. Bl- I don't know what doing... they did in They've got they've got a lot of good stuff going for Legion. So like I have not fallen out of love with this expansion so far. I'm still loving it, and I'm working on 110 number four. So yeah, Blizzard's actually doing the thing I wanted them to do. In yeah, seven, I think it's either 715 or 72. Um, they're basically taking a lot of stuff that's mythic only and making heroic dungeon versions of it. Yeah. And that's exactly what I wanted. That's, you know, I'm not saying the gear has to be as good. I'm saying, give, let me have the content just if the, I don't want to Just the do option it. to run it would be great. Yeah. That's and all. just for my play that. style in particular, I would like more solo stuff. I get it's an MMO and there's group stuff and I have nothing against group stuff, but lots of solo stuff is cool too. Give us uh, player housing just so I can spend the rest of my days solo grinding like chairs and tables and stuff. Yes, I would still like player housing. Thank you. Okay, so uh, next question is from Varagon. This is a giant chunk. Oh, okay. All right. Um, says, hey, all, it's Varagon again, level 100 warrior from Dalaran and a massive lover of lore. I've been constantly wondering what has become of Gina this expansion, and the more I think about it, the more her lack of appearance has been leaving a bitter taste in my mouth. It's made me think back to all the in-game and fan discussions regarding her from the developers, quote-unquote, we have plans, a.k.a. we're punting the ball, to the fans wondering if she's a dreadlord without any real evidence other than a justifiable character change. All of this has led me to wonder, do you feel that Jaina is often viewed in a sex light are there other female characters that you feel get a bad rap or get chucked off to the side for male characters that's not to say that there aren't strong female characters in this game i.e Tyrande and sylvanas but it often seems to be that how we interpret these characters is colored i.e jaina must be a demon now because her getting mad that her entire world got blown to pieces just doesn't make sense hope to hear your thoughts varagon you know i feel like i have to address this like right off the bat a lot a lot a lot of people had a problem when I had a problem with Jaina's voice in particular, like the voice acting for the Siege of Orgrimmar, the end of the Siege of Orgrimmar cinematic. That wasn't me implying that Jaina was going to be a villain or anything. And that wasn't me afraid that Jaina was going to be a villain or anything. It was me going, wow, Jaina sounds really cranky, like she could be teetering towards that possibility. And I'd really rather not have her walk down that road because she's always been a good guy. I don't want to see somebody like that who's been a good guy for so long go bad. And the thing is, is it wasn't part of her character. Like, it was literally just the way the voice lines were done. And I think Blizzard has said more than once that, no, that was just the voice acting. There's nothing going on with her. She's not going to be a dreadlord. She's not going to be a bad guy. Stop worrying about it. So... I feel like I should bring that up just because that seems to be a misinterpretation that a lot of people have. I don't think she's going to be a bad guy. 
I think my problem is simple, uh, and I think this is in the case of Jane and a lot of the characters. A lot of violence is done to character in the name of keeping this faction divide thing going. Yeah. And it's been going that way for like the, the past couple of expansions. And this expansion in particular, one of the things that really bugs me is there is actually a really cool story in Stormheim that actually uses the faction divide, and I'm fine with it. But at the same time, we have like three zones when you level up you've got three zones where it's just us fighting the legion and or other things that are involved in the war against the legion and then one zone where it's like horde and alliance fighting again and it's like i get why gen hates sylvanas he should hate sylvanas he totally should he has so I get, many reasons not to like her i get why sylvanas is trying to do the things she's trying to do now that i've seen it i understand her motivations uh, again, you know, evil, but whatever. That's not the problem. But the problem is just that you have characters like Jaina where they're like, she can't, you know, they, they went too far with her where she couldn't possibly work with the Horde. It just isn't possible. You know, it, you, you you would have to like, they, they kind of tried to do this with the War Crimes novel. And this is my problem with tie-in books too, is you, you do stuff in the tie-in and then you don't bring it into the game. And the narrative is completely like at this point. At the end of the tie, at the end of War Crimes, she seemed to be okay again. And yeah, then it, we got to Warlords, and she was not okay again. They, yeah, they ignored it. It's it's kind of what they did with Varian too. Like he, yeah, like he dumped his alcoholism and rage problems like three different times, and eventually it just seemed like, all right, this dude is just not going anywhere because they keep running in circles. It's because they would release this tie-in thing where he changes, but he didn't in the next one, and then he changed it into that one, and they released another tie-in where he's back to what he was before. They don't integrate these tie-ins into their actual narrative. Yeah, but that's it. it and I understand why they don't sometimes because people don't read them. Like if you didn't read, you know, Wolfheart, then you wouldn't know. So they can't, you know, they have to have the character presented as he is in the game, blah, blah. But it's like, why do the pie in if it has no effect and why, why keep the character? And when you, I, I'm not trying to say they don't have sexism or do have sexism. That's not my point here. My point is just the characters tend to get stuck. Like we had that tie in comic where Moira deals with her father issues. It was right. actually a really good tie in comic where you get to see Moira evolve, but we won't get to see that in the game. Right. You know, and so Moira doesn't do anything and doesn't and develop. I think another big issue, like I definitely do think that there's a, a sexism issue here, but also um, while players like I'm generalizing, I know I am just follow me while players in general or that follow the wow story have a really hard time with nuance because WoW doesn't have very much. There aren't a lot of characters who realistically react to the situation that they're in. There are not a lot of characters who are like fundamentally changed by their traumas or what they've seen of what they've done. Jaina is one of the few characters who does. She's had gone through a lot of trauma. She has reacted to it. She's been changed by it. She is a person who carries this burden. And Warcraft players and fans have an inability to follow that, it seems. They won't recognize that, yeah, if you have someone who your hometown has been nuked and you founded that hometown and everybody there trusted you and they were your friends and family and, and they're all dead the now. And you're the sole survivor. And you are the sole survivor. That's going to leave an impact. And on Jaina, it did. It and made Shepard pretty gritty over in Mass Effect. Just saying. Right. And and people either, they don't recognize the gravity of what happened to Jaina. And also other characters in Warcraft would brush that off. A lot of characters don't carry this burden. Like, oh, this terrible thing happened. Thousands died. It's just another day. I'm the same person I was yesterday. And that wouldn't be the case for most for most people. 
Jaina is one of the few characters who has everything that has happened to her is an integral part of her character. And she has changed and grown. And people are just like, oh, she's just a B word now. It's like, well, well part I of the story I there, guys. That, the thing I, is that I, part of that comes back to the faction divide, though, because you have to set it up. Neither side can ever be the villains of the story because we have two people. We have two playable factions. You can't ever make one of those playable factions the villains. You can come close. They did game pretty close in both Kata and Mists, but they can't really do it. You can't pull the trigger and say these guys are the bad guys because they're playable. And one of the things is that even when Warcraft is the Warcraft RTS is you could have Sylvanas betray her own allies at the end and do something villainous and just say that's villainous. You could have, you know, Arthas, who's the hero of the human campaign, uh, kick it end end of the thing, murdering his dad. And he's a villain now. You you could have those kind of things. But now that they're playable, there's there's players are invested in their team. Do you know what I mean? Like, they don't stop and think about the story from an outside perspective. They think about it from the perspective of their team. And I'm as guilty of it as anyone of sometimes being, like, overly alliance as opposed to actually looking at the story and going, oh, that's messed up. We just kind of took out and the that thing whole is, campaign. Is there's, there's messed up stuff going on on both sides. I didn't have a problem with what they did to Theramore. And the reason I didn't have a problem with what they did to Theramore was because it was almost like it was just a matter of time before it happened. Because you had this lone human settlement right on the edge of Horde territory. And with Thrall in place there, obviously, you know, it stayed put. It was there, but it was never really going to expand. Nothing was ever going to really happen to it. But you put a warlord like Garrosh at the head of the Horde. Yeah, that's the first place he's going to make a beeline for. So from a story perspective, it made sense that they were going to do that. And... It, Jaina's reaction during all of that made sense from that standpoint. It just yeah, it feels like that they did that and they got done with that and they had this Jaina left over who was this fundamentally changed character and they didn't quite know what to do with her. So she's been sort of shuffled around and I don't I don't know what it'll take to make her a viable character again. But they've done this before and it you know I don't Blizzard. really think it's a matter of whether or not she's a female character or a male character because they've done this with characters all over the place. They've well, done I, this I, all I, over the game. And it's like what you said, Alex. There's this sort of nuance thing that isn't handled very well, typically speaking. You pointed out Varian. Varian's a really good example of that, where he was this character who had a lot of stuff happen to him. He had all these anger issues. Sometimes they would pop up, and then they'd be written off as part of a feel-good ending, and then next time around, oops, look, they're back again. It's the same thing with Jaina, where she's got these though. really legitimate feelings of anger and betrayal, and they're written off. And then she comes back and they're back again. So it's like very in part two almost. And I don't, yeah. I don't know how they're going to resolve that. I really I don't. hope they don't resolve it the same way, because let's be honest, the most <laughs> interesting story Varian got in the past several years was his last. That also made me annoyed because Varian was just getting to the point where he was becoming an individual in his own right. And then they pulled the trigger and now he's gone. And they tend to do that a lot too. Like, um, at least, but like, let's be honest. Compared to Volgen, is the one who really got screwed yeah. over there, not Varian. Volgen had just started to come into his own as a full-fledged character, yeah, exactly. and now he's gone. Um, same thing with Fandral. Fandral was a villain 
that had just started to come into his own and he had this really fascinating backstory and now he's gone and the funny part about Fandral in particular I think I'm going to write about him for Know Your Lore this week because I, I feel like I need to um, Fandral was one of those characters where after he died, after we got rid of him in Cataclysm, Chronicle came out and then all of a sudden it turns out there's all these other layers to Fandral that we never saw and we're never going to see any of that relate to the current game because he's yeah. gone already Except that he's at least he's one that could easily be brought back. He could theoretically. He died, in the, he died in the Firelands. Yeah. Which has barriers to other realities, so his little wispy self might get stuck there. And next thing you know, there's fire Fandral, who's just made of fire elemental. I, I, mean, I don't know. I all not, I know is Fandral was another one of those interesting characters. There's a lot of characters that they have where I'm like, it feels it, like they got the short end of the stick. You look at Coltira. Uh, Coltira had that fascinating thing go down in Anderhall, and then he just disappeared. Now he's back, back but... She kept him in a cage. That's it. Yeah. It's like, what else happened? Nothing? Okay. Well, there's the story thread that you didn't pick up, and it could have been a good one, you know? Yeah. In regards to Jaina in particular in this question, I think think the language used in regards to Jaina by players is extremely sexist. I don't think... Again, Greymane, who is doing a lot of the same things and has the same outlook and same views as Jaina, would probably agree with Jaina on pretty much everything... Um, people don't use slurs in regards to Gen. Uh, they might think he's pretty cool, even if they don't agree with him. It's like, wow, cool cutscene. But if that was Jaina, uh, was the language always, would change. I was always kind of surprised, actually, that Jaina and Gen didn't actually team up more. Because yeah. the two of them have kind of the same mentality. The two of them lost a lot of the same stuff, like family in one aspect or another. They've both lost their kingdoms. You would think that... that Gen of all people would be on Jaina's side in all of this, and yet he's not. You can imagine there being like a sort of pseudo fatherly thing where he mentors her. Yeah, as he is so much older than she is. I mean, granted, she doesn't doesn't need a daddy at this point, but you know, there's just there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. You know, people are. uh, 6006K in the chat channel says, I would argue that Loken was killed quickly, too. Yeah, Loken had a lot more development that happened. No, sorry. Okay. Stop, Alex, because what I'm saying here is the same. It's it's the same thing as like a fan draw aspect where a villain dies. And then after the fact, like after they've died, all of a sudden we find out what kind of fascinating things they were actually up to in their lives. Um, so it's that same kind of thing. It I don't know. And I, I think that a lot of it is just when you have a cast of characters that is so vast and so expansive, it's really hard to address all of them at the same time. You can only focus on so many at once because the more you start focusing on all of them at once, the weaker each of those individual stories become. So maybe we're just waiting for that moment where we get a really good Jaina story. I don't know, but I wish that they would hurry up and do something about it because much like Rathion, the story that's being told right now in Legion is the one that they should be involved in. Why aren't they? Yeah, and for community reaction to Jaina, I feel like if Jaina was a character in any other franchise, the community would be much more uh, understanding and welcoming of her. Uh, Blizzard fans, I think, are very much their fans of their stoic, unaffected, don't care, total all the time, 100% badass characters. And any Uh, characters who have trauma, they throw out. See, here's the thing. I'm going to have to argue with you because I don't think it's as generic as that. I think it is rooted in the fact that it is Jaina, and Jaina, to a lot of players, only comes from WoW. They don't know her Warcraft stuff all that well. They only experienced her in WoW. And what was she in WoW for, like, years? 
She was the neutral character, the character who was pro horde, good relations with the horde. She hung and out in Theramore and like you know had chit chats with Thrall and stuff. They're not when they see her change. The change isn't one they like because again, it's it's not pro their team. Do you know what well, I'm saying? Well, I mean, yeah, you see some. You know, I would rather Jaina didn't do that, but you also just see a lot of horrible slurs that she yeah, is. That you know, stuff, whatever. That stuff and that stuff's just wrong. So I, I don't know. think there would be as much of that about that particular character if it was in another franchise. I really don't. I don't think there would be that much about that particular character if the character's gender was changed. So let's just agree on that. Um, we have time for one more question here, and I'm going to bump all the way down to the bottom of this list because it's a fairly quick question, and I also think that it's relevant to you two. So, uh, Annalise. Human Paladin on Moonguard, shout out to Moonguard, says, If Night Elves are going to be Paladins in the future, what class expansion will the Horde side get? They seem to like keeping these things balanced for both factions. If nothing has been announced, what are your theories? Thank you for all your work. I don't know that we're going to actually see Night Elves as playable Paladins. We got because... that one. We got yeah. that one. Just, But that doesn't mean they'll make it playable. It just means there's one in lore now. It means but... that they've opened the door to the possibility. Assuming they did, they decide to give Night Elves Paladins, maybe they'll give a Forsaken Paladins. <laughs> I still can't see that happening. I can't reasonably see that happening. Sir Zelia all exists. I can, all, I, all I can see is is an undead, like a Forsaken, running into battle, sword held high, he lays down a Consecrate, and just detonates. Well, I mean, <laughs> Alex Afrasiabi on stage at BlizzCon tried to explain why Forsaken Priests are different from Forsaken Paladins, and he failed and decided to not continue answering the question. So, uh, whatever justification there was, Afrasiabi couldn't come up with it. <laughs> so Yeah, but honestly, I don't know. Um, basically, what ha- we originally had back in the day was that paladins and shaman were balanced. They were like, you know, hordes, horde paladins, alliance. I mean, horde paladins and alliance shaman didn't exist. They were, you know, paladins for one side, shaman for the other. When they decided to let each faction have both of those classes to switch it around, you then had a position where you didn't have to balance those classes against each other anymore, and their design changed, and that's why you have the modern paladin and the modern shaman. One of the things you'll notice is that right now, uh, I think the Alliance currently has three shamans. They have uh, Pandaren, dwarves, dwarves, and Draenei. And the Horde has, like, what, everybody can be Shaman but Forsaken at this point? Blood Elves can't. Okay, so so out of the six on the Horde? Orcs, Torin, it's Orcs, Torin, Trolls, Goblins, and Pandaren. So so five, five out of seven can can be Shaman. Alliance have three Paladins, and Horde have two. So if you think about it, they could add Alliance, Blood Elves, I mean, Alliance, Elf, Paladins, and it would be the same. It would it would not be. It would just you, even it out. You wouldn't need to add anything to Horde. It would actually, if anything, it would just catch up Paladins to Shaman in some way. Um, you'd have four over on the Alliance side versus two on the Horde side, compared to three on the Alliance side and five on the Horde side for Shamans. So maybe they won't add anything. Uh, they don't necessarily have. They don't always have to do that. They added Gnome Hunters and they didn't give the Horde anything. They didn't Horde, need to. Yeah, it's not like Goblins gnomes. were already Hunters. It, it just didn't make sense that Gnomes weren't. Yeah, in turns. Yeah, it, this isn't. I don't think they do that with the class expansion. I don't think they 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 worry as much about making it completely balanced. Like when they gave the Blood Elves warriors, I mean, it's like everybody else had them already, so it wasn't like they just it was, chucked it in there and said, "Here yeah. you go." 
It's like, why can't Blood Elves be warriors? Well, they're very rare, and their numbers are dwindling. Like, come on. They, you're telling me they can't figure out how not to use the Holy Light? Yeah, okay, you're right. That's stupid. There you go. You got warriors. So that's my take on it. I don't know how Alex feels. Uh, Forsaken Paladins just makes sense to me. I've always thought it's pretty <laughs> cool. Um, I think the arguments against it just don't hold up, considering what else they have. That's just... If, if they're going to give Paladins to another race on the Alliance, I feel like they should just give Paladins to another race on the Horde. There's also um, Orc Priests. Where did you come from? He just showed up. <laughs> you know, what's Hi, up? bitch. Hey, what's going on? Um, orcs hanging out because he's streaming for us yeah. today. Orcs are the only race that can't be priests like in the whole game, and that one actually would make sense. So That is kind of weird. That. I mean, granted, you, you, you don't really think of Ford as wearing robes much, but, I mean, Orcs is wearing robes much, but at this point we have Orc Mages and Orc Warlocks, so it's kind of silly that they can't have priests. I, yeah. I, I have to interject here, though, and say that um, I boosted my Paladin. I boosted my Blood Elf Paladin to play through that whole starting experience thing where, you know, you learn how to play the class or whatever, and it involves being transported onto an airship where an Orc woman screams at you about the holy power of the light. And it was the single most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. Because <laughs> orcs and the light, like, orcs should not be schooling me in the light. They have no idea what the light is. <laughs> what is this? So, yeah, I, I don't know. Orc priests never really... Well, maybe she's there's, an orc paladin. <laughs> there's the whole, like, Shadow Moon cult, which are, you know, they're not quite warlock level. They're more shadow Shadow which... priest level, yeah. yeah. I guess that would totally, that would kind of make sense. Okay. All right. Well, um, that wraps us up for emails anyway. Thanks for the for the timely interjection there, Mitch. Blizzard no Watch, it's made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch, and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your questions answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you very much, Anne. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. If you have an email for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be here next week. 